Nathan and Benaiah are the only boys in the group. Great job, young people. Good work. First Corinthians chapter 13. We'll look at the first three verses this evening, and then we'll go back and have a look a little bit through chapter 12. A little bit of a study tonight. I um, hope it's a blessing for you. It's a challenge for me. Let's read the first three verses of uh, 1 Corinthians 13. The Bible says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and, and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or as tinkling cymbal, or, or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor... And though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Let's pray. We're going to ask the Lord to help us tonight. Um, and may the Lord do something in your heart tonight. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be in church tonight. Thank you for the good, the good physical food we've had tonight. That was a blessing. And I just pray uh, as, we've, uh, as we've sung a little bit tonight and as we get settled, we can just turn our attention to some verses in the Word of God. May you just start. Uh, have free liberty to help and encourage us tonight as we look into your word we pray in Jesus name amen <clears throat> when we look at the Corinthian church we see a church filled uh, with spiritual gifts and and an, an excitement found in these gifts at the point of salvation every believer receives gifts that God allocates based upon his choice as they are given to profit um, towards God we see in verse 7 of chapter 12, I want to go back into chapter 12 just for a few minutes to try and build the idea of, of heading into chapter 13. And the Bible says in chapter 12, verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Okay, so the idea of gifts is to profit towards God. Every believer receives gifts um, or gifts are stirred up when we get saved. A lot of people are born with talent. A lot of people inherit talent from their parents, depending on their family lifestyle. Um, you, may, uh, you may see different footballers come through and you notice that their dads are famous players. So it's not just a matter of that, um, uh, that you're born um, maybe from a, from a famous footballer, but the fact that you may, uh, you may have that, that lifestyle ingrained in you and you're trained from a young age to follow in dad's steps you may have some certain talents, but, you may, but that, that doesn't necessarily mean a spiritual gift. You may have a family, a mum and dad, who, who are singers or, or, or maybe play musical instruments, but that doesn't mean you have a spiritual gift as far as music. You can be trained in that, but at the point of salvation, God, the Bible indicates that, that God seems to, uh, I guess, allocate and stir up certain spiritual gifts. You may be a great leader before you got saved, but that doesn't mean you can have a, a spiritual gift of, of, of maybe pastoring. You may find that, that as a great leader or maybe a general manager of a big company, you may find that at the point of salvation as you grow, God stirs up maybe a gift of maybe helps or giving or, or, or maybe mercy towards others where people might think, well, he, he, he certainly will become a, maybe a pastor one day. But God doesn't always work that way. God, God chooses and allocates certain gifts towards certain people. God's desire is that these gifts that we get are to honour him and not to, mag and not to magnify ourselves. If you realise what, what your gift is, let me encourage you to use that gift to honour God. Gifts do differ from the natural talents as we've, um, 
as we've talked about. Chapter 12 goes into a lot of detail concerning the different types of gifts and how they work collectively yet differently within the body of believers. Let's have a look um, just in some of these verses here. In, in verse 8, the Bible says, for, one, for to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. So that's one of the, um, the gifts. To another, the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. Notice here that it's the Holy Spirit that is, that is working and revealing and giving these spiritual gifts. <clears throat> verse 9 talks about to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. Verse 10, the Bible says to another the working of miracles. Now, now you may not know this, but I have the working of miracles. It, it, it takes a miracle to look this good week in and week out. <laughs> Let's move on. To another, verse 10, it says to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretations of tongues. Now, some of those things you may see evidence in other people, um, other things you may not, but there are certain types of gifts that God has. If we turn over to Romans chapter 12 as well, there's listed some other ones there as well. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 to 8. The Bible says, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members of another. Then verse 6 goes on to start talking about these gifts. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on, on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. So there are, there are other different gifts that are mentioned here. Um, it talks, again, it does mention prophecy, faith. Um, it talks about ministering, teaching, exhorting, giving, um, ruling, showing mercy. All these different things the Holy Spirit works within, with individual believers for a specific purpose as to give honour and glory to God. As we look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I want to just jump down to verse 27 as we get ready to have a look at, verse, at, at chapter 13. Not only are the verses in the first part of the chapter referring to gifts, but it also talks about in verse 27 now, ye are the body of Christ and members in particular, and God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily um, prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. The verse 29 says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. When you have a look at the different list in the first part of the chapter and at the end of the chapter, in the middle, Paul talks about how we're all different members of one body, how we all have a certain function, we all have a certain part to play within this local body of Christ. He talks about if one says, hey, if I'm not the eye, then, then, then what, I, what am I? Then it also talks about if, if everybody's an eye, then how can the body work? And within, and within First Corinthians, uh, within the Corinthian church, it seems like that everyone was getting caught up in these gifts and one was desiring to have someone else's gift, one wasn't concentrating on their own gift 
And it seems like Paul had to address this. And as, and as we get into verse uh, 29 and 30, he says, hey, is everyone an apostle? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have everyone the, um, the gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But then in verse 31, he says something interesting. But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. We may see within our local church people that have different giftings, people that God has revealed and stirred up that they can excel in, that they can grow in, that, they, that, that God can use them in. But what happens is a lot of times as, as natural human beings, we, we see what other people have and what other people are gifted to do. And sometimes we can get our focus off what God has asked us to do and we can maybe start to desire those that, that, um, who may, uh, that may be doing better things than us. Um, I, I'll give you an example. Um, we all know that I'm gifted in singing and Brother Jason may look at my giftings and think, I wish I could sing like Brother Paul. But, <laughs> but you know, not everyone is gifted as I am. But no, we all know Jason's a very gifted singer and I believe Jason uses his giftings for the Lord. But sometimes we can look at those on the platform, those in the public eye, those who seem to get a lot of the credit, those who seem to get a lot of the, um, maybe the limelight, and we think, well, why don't I get that? You may have a gift of mercy, showing people mercy. Trust me, that's needed in our local church. People that can look beyond people's faults and people who can um, see the good in people. Because there are a lot of people, in, even in our local church, who see the bad, who... who who dwell on the faults, who, who dwell on the problems, who dwell on the negativity. We need people who can show mercy. We need people who can teach. We need people who, can, who have the gift of helps. And sometimes we can look at the others and think, I wish I had that gift. That seems to be really great. They get a lot of popularity. They get a lot of um, opportunities more than I ever do. And I think Apostle Paul is dealing with that here and says, hey, if everyone is, is an I, then what's going to happen to the rest of the body? We all have an individual purpose and it says desire, oh sorry, um, in verse 31, but covet earnestly the best gift. So what is the best gift? In that list um, in verse 27, there seems to be an, an order of, of the different uh, ministries there. Verse 28 it says, God has set some in the church, firstly apostles. Does that mean the apostles, uh, the ministry or or the gifting of, of an apostle, is that the best gift? Then he goes on to say, secondly, prophets. Thirdly, teachers. Then after that, then we look at miracles. Then gifts of healings. Then helps. Then governments. Then diversities of tongues. So why would Paul then say, covet earnestly the best gift? If you think the best gift is that of apostle, then I think you've, I think you've misunderstood it. Earnestly, the best gift is the gifting that God has given you. That's the thing that you need to be earnestly seeking. So if your gifting is that of mercy, earnestly seek that with all your heart. Make that your focus. God has given you that. God has developed that within you. The Holy Spirit is working in you to do that. Seek that with all your heart. Don't seek what someone else has got. Don't covet that limelight. Don't covet whatever it is that maybe you might be coveting. If God is showing you your gifting, seek that. Isn't it interesting in, in verse 28 and 29, it does kind of give a list of possible importance. Firstly, apostles. And then right at the end, 
It says there uh, in, um, in, at the end of verse 28, governments, diversities of tongues. This is interesting. The modern church today seems to major on, I guess, what was listed as, I wouldn't say the least important, but at the bottom of the list. Firstly, there was apostles. Secondly, prophets, teachers. They're the things that I, I think God would focus on. But then it's interesting how the, how the modern church focuses on what we would class maybe at the end of it, tongues. At the end of verse 31, Paul's already told us to seek or to covet earnestly the best gifts, those that are specifically for you. But then he goes on to say, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And this is the key, I think, <clears throat> and, and the main thought that I want to get you to understand. I've kind of talked a bit about the gifts and you could make that a, a lengthy discussion. But I kind of build this because the church seemed to be focusing on everyone else and not focusing on what God wants. But then Paul says, he, he seems to address that, but then he goes a little bit deeper and says, I want to show you something a little bit different concerning these gifts. And that's where we head into chapter 13. Paul starts to talk about the idea of charity or love. Charity or love being the key element that makes our gifts effective and profitable for the Lord. Did you know that you have the ability to love the way God wants you to love? For a lot of Australian men, loving is, is, is a tough thing. Showing love to others is a tough thing. But God has given us the ability to love, I'm not talking about, about an affectionate way, but in a godly, um, in the way God intends Christians to love. And I'll give, you the re I'll give you some verses to explain why that's possible. Did you know the Bible says, uh, let's have a look in Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. Love is, is, the, is the key to your outworking of your spiritual gift. But with love, God has placed love within us when we were saved. Romans 5 verse 5, it says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which was given unto us. That moment when we receive the Holy Ghost, through the Holy Ghost, we have the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. There's no reason why we can't fulfill Romans, uh, sorry, First uh, Corinthians chapter 13, because God has already put into us His love at that point of salvation. Let's have a look in John chapter 13. John chapter 13. The Bible says in verse 30, we're going to look in 34 and 35, but verse 35 first. Well, actually, I'll read the two verses, then I'll tie the two thoughts together. God's love displayed to others is, is our greatest testimony when we think about God's love. Verse 34 says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Verse 35, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have loved one to another. So verse 35 tells me that God's love displayed to others is the greatest testimony anyone could ever have. The proof that when we got saved and God shed his love abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, we can now, the Bible says we can actually outlive this and have a great testimony for the Lord. By this shall all men know that you're one of his disciples if we have, if we have love one for another. I know within our local church we do have love one for another, but 
sometimes our, our human nature rears itself up and sometimes we can have, uh, we can hide that love one to another. We can have a, uh, maybe a roadblock between each other. But God has put in each of us the ability to love one another and have a great testimony. Verse 34, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you that you love one another. God's love displayed to others is proof of our obedience to the Lord. If you find yourself not loving others or always, when we briefly look at 1 Corinthians 13, if the love that the Bible describes there is not in you, then you're really not obeying the Lord because there's no reason why we can't because God has put his love inside us. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 14, the Bible tells us, We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. That tells me God's love displayed to others is proof of our salvation. If you say you know Jesus Christ as your saviour and you don't display the love of God to others then, and, and you never do but you say you're saved then the Bible tells me otherwise that we know we've passed from death to life because we love the brethren. Our outworking of love not only tells others that we're a disciple of Christ, it also tells us that we actually have been saved because there's a change in heart. Naturally, we don't love the way God loves without Christ or without the Holy Spirit. But when we do have the Holy Spirit, we can actually love the way Christ wants us to love. When it comes down to it, the best thing in our life to have, uh, best thing in our Christian life is love. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 for a few minutes and we'll have a, a little bit of a thought here. I want to say this, when we think about love, as we have a look at these verses in just a moment, the key thing I want you to think about is that focus on love and the spiritual gifts will happen and you'll understand why. If we focus just on the spiritual gifts and if we don't do it in love, as we're going to see, it doesn't, it doesn't profit us anything. It's not real. But if you focus on the love of God... I believe the Bible is, is, is very clear that if we focus on love and we're doing the, the love of God, the Holy Spirit's going to be working in our gifts anyway. If we're doing it in love, the spiritual gifts will increase and God will get the glory and God will bless and God will use. So keep that in mind as, as we have a look at this. Verse, verse 1 of, of chapter 13, it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and that's one of those gifts that it talked about, and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. So I want you to think about this in verse 1, that love is higher than the sensational. Love is higher than those things that we might class as sensational. If I had the, gift, if I had the true gift of tongues, or the true gift, um, if, I was, yeah, if I was able to speak with the true gift of tongues, and I was able to witness to others, and, and I'd never done it before, and someone got saved because of it, then you would think, whoa, that's sensational. That's amazing, Brother Paul could do that. But the Bible is very clear that if I do that, but, um, but I don't have charity, if I don't have love, then I'm really becoming just a sounding brass or, as a, or a tinkling cymbal. 
Have you ever heard a, maybe a song that just has a lot of, a lot of symbols, just bang, bang, bang? Or if we sang a music, uh, if we sang a special item, and well, I reckon I could do this special item. If we get a symbol up here, I reckon I could bang it for about three minutes just straight, and I could say, that's my item for tonight. And you would think, that is so boring. That is just noise after noise after noise after noise after noise. You would think, what's the purpose of that? And the Bible is, that's what it's saying. Even if you've got the most amazing gift and you can do it great, yet if you don't do it in love, it's just like that. It's just like noise after noise after noise. It, it, it means nothing to God. So that's why I say if we focus on the love and not just so focused on what I can do for God, but if we focus on the way God wants us to love, those other things that we are desiring to focus on will actually come naturally. It will happen as brass or a tinkling cymbal. Have you ever seen people like that in church who are serving and working and, and you just think they're, they're just going through the motions and it, it just seems like they're doing it. They know they should do it, but there's just no love in it. And you just think, why are you even here? Why are you doing that? What's the purpose of you doing that? And I think maybe, maybe God might be the same way when we do it without love. It's like God says, why? You're doing it for the wrong reason. You're not doing it to honour me. Is doing it because you're just doing it. Our service becomes noisy and boring. Let's have a look at verse 2. The Bible says, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. Wouldn't it be good to have, understand all mysteries and have great knowledge? I don't know anything. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. No, that'd be cool. You know what I'd do? I'd move the Queensland football team. 200 kilometres out, drop me in. That's what I'd probably do. If I had that much faith, that's probably, what I would, that's, that's probably how I would move. But the Bible says, even though if I could do all those things and have not charity, I am nothing. Love is higher, not only than the sensational, but higher than the spectacular. Being able to do some of these things, having been, been so gifted that we could be used of God in such a way that we would go, whoa, he's a great He's a great Christian. I wish I could be like him. But according to God, if I don't do it in love, really, I'm nothing. The gift doesn't make me anything spectacular. The gift doesn't make me who I am. It's the love of God and the love for God and the outworking of love toward others makes me what God wants me to be. Number three in verse three. The Bible says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Love is higher than the sacrificial. Without love, all my good works profit me nothing. I could be the greatest giver. I could be the, the one that sacrifices my time here in the local church every week, every day. I could be the one that gets up the earliest. I could, I could set things up. I could be here the, the last one to lock up. When anyone needs something, I'm first there to help and, and to give and, and, and to be a blessing. and That's great. And we should be willing to do those things. But the Bible says if I don't do it in love, it profits me nothing. Can you imagine how sad it would be that if you lived a really good Christian life, you did everything right and you, you were faithful and, and, and you served and you sacrificed and yet you did it for maybe for show or for self or for self, 
feeling good or to maybe to receive something that you might get out of it. And then one day you get to heaven and, and God says, you did it for yourself. You didn't do it for me. You didn't do it really for others. And, you, and it profited you nothing. How sad would that be to go through church life and God says, it profits nothing. So I state that simple thought before when it comes down to it, the best thing to have in our Christian life is love. Not so much these spiritual gifts. They are important because the Holy Spirit works in us and gives us those and develops those. But the secret is to be powerful in those things is to love, to learn God's love. It's not about the actions but the attitude behind the gifts. <clears throat> verse, uh, verse 4 through verse 6, we're not going to go through all these because I know it would take a while. But it gives us a description of what love is. And I will just read them, just for sake of reading them, but I'm not going to explain every one. Verse 4 says, Charity or love suffereth long, is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. But I do just want to mention some things in verse 7 because this is, to me, the action of love. Verse 7, there's just four things in and first part of verse 8. So five simple things to finish with. The Bible tells us that love, in verse 7, beareth all things. Love looks past the faults of others. Love covers them in spite of their many faults. Think about 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, where it talks about love covering a multitude of sins. The love that God shows, or the love that God wants us to have, bears all things. When I read through this, um, Pastor asked me on, on Sunday night if, if I could do the message tonight, and as I was reading through and thinking about these things, I, I felt very convicted because I thought, man, I, I, I'm not the person that bears all things. This really convicted my heart. Love, but love looks past the faults of others. You know what's convicting? Because I know I've got many faults. I know I've got many things that outwardly um, you could look at and you could find fault with me. And I hope that your love would bear towards me because I need that. But love looks past the faults of others. It covers them in spite of, of, of people's many faults. People are going to do us wrong. People are going to act in ways that, that we don't think are appropriate. They're going to make choices we think aren't right because we wouldn't do those things. But love, the way God loves, bears that. You think about God's love toward us. I'm sure we do many things, each one of us, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. We make choices and decisions that God looks at and thinks, why are you doing that? Why have you done that? Why are you going down that path? Why did you treat your brother or sister or your husband or your wife or your children that way? And God looks at that and often obviously deals with that because we're his children. But doesn't the love of God bear all things? Doesn't his love cover a multitude of sins? So God, God knows how to bear all things. The, the second part of verse 7 is love believeth all things. Love puts the best possible interpretation on everything. 
It sees the positive and not the negative. And all these kind of go hand in hand. Do you see the best possible interpretation when, when people speak to you? Isn't it, isn't it strange when someone says something to us in our human flesh, we take the negative instantly and think, they said that because they just don't like me or they, they're being critical of me or sometimes we don't know the whole picture. They may have had a bad day, they're a bit stressed out and the, and the last thing um, that happened to me recently, I said something to somebody and it wasn't meant to be offensive but it came out offensive and I got in trouble and... But love puts the best possible interpretation on everything. Number three, in this, in verse seven, love hopeth all things. Love expects the best possible outcome and refuses to ex- accept failure. Love is the true, is true, is true optimism. Does your love hope and expect the best outcome from everything, or are you the sort of person that that looks at everything as as doom and gloom? And the world, whole world's going to fail. The Bible says, in, also in verse 7, love endureth all things. Love continues in spite of persecution and ill treatment and it never, ever stops. You know, as, as we grow as, as, a, as a body of Christ in a local church, as we grow together, as we get to know each other more and more, sometimes we're going to rub against each other. And these idea of love needs to be ingrained in us Enduring all things, bearing all things, believing all things, hoping all things. And then verse 8, as we finish, charity never fails or it never faileth. God will always use love to be the power sourced of our gift working. If you learn to love the way God wants you to love, then it will never fail. It will just continue to grow and grow and add more power to your gifting and your ability to be used of God. And I think that's what we all want. Just God to use us and to God to, uh, to make us more like him. But if we learn to love, that's the hard thing. It, is, it, it seems very simple in, 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 when, when it's listed out, but sometimes it's harder to actually do. But I want to encourage you and ask you, how does your love stack up to the way the Bible describes love? Is, the, is love the thing that matters most to you or is it something else? Is it your career? Is it your plan that you've had for your life? Is it your family? Is it your job? But love needs to be the main focus, the main thing that's important to us. And if we can develop that within our lives moving forward, it, it, it may, revol- may revolutionise your Christianity. Dwell on love, make that the, the main focus and God will make all those gifts that he, that he wants you to have and wants to develop you, that will actually naturally occur because you're now outworking what God wants. But if you just focus on this, without the love, it's worth nothing. It may look good, it may sound good at first, but eventually God's going to say, it's really worth nothing to you. Why are you doing it? Let's have a word of prayer. And then uh, we'll take some prayer requests in just a sec. Dear Lord, thank you for um, the, the opportunity that you've, that you've given to uh, be able to preach tonight. I pray that you would just use the verses that we've looked at. Um, may, that, may that be the, the speaking point in, into people's hearts. We thank you for the truth found in your word. 
and we thank you and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.